0: back to the past this is dating ourselves the podcast that talks everything 80s 90s and early 2000s i'm your host adam and i'm joined by my co-host brian and Paul.
1: hello heyo welcome to a special countdown episode where the points are made up and the outcome doesn't matter
2: <laughs> that sounds very similar but <laughs> you know Copyright different enough. Uh, well, that's 30%, right. percent baby. <laughs> Who's supposed to say what when? It's a great show. <laughs> well, that's right. On tonight's show, guys, we'll be counting down our top five favorite obscure kids' shows that sort of faded into the analog snow amongst the syndicated Power franchises. You mean Power Rangers? Yeah, I mean, I don't know if you can call that obscure, but yeah, basically. No, that would be a power (laughs) franchise. Oh, I see. I see. (laughs) Yes, that would be a power franchise.
0: So to decide who is going to go first, we are going to do our favorite anthropomorphic dog. Let's do dog. Uh, so we'll do that, and whoever has the best response gets to go first, and then I guess the other two will just fight to the death for a second. All right, who's going
1: first? Or are we just going to do one, two, three?
2: I'm going to say Snoopy.
1: <laughs> I, I'm going to say McGruff the Crime Dog.
0: Oh! Take a bite out of crime. It's a good choice. <laughs> I'm going to go with Courage the Cowardly Dog. Oh,
2: that's a good one, too. I think I'm going to have to go with Paul's, yeah. though, this time. Um
1: and I didn't just bring that up because he was just arrested
2: on weapons charges. The character yes, the person he was. who played him got arrested. He No, McGruff actually got arrested. <laughs> they took him into the pound. He,
1: I guess he had a, <laughs> I guess he had like uh, 120 marijuana plants, 3000 rounds of ammunition and an RPG, a rocket propelled grenade.
2: <laughs> you need that type of stuff when you're oh taking a bite God, out I of crime he was, was going to take a bite out of crime
0: <laughs> <laughs> he was taking a bite out of crime and then keeping a piece if
2: you could find any left it'd just be smears <laughs> yeah, no, no anyway kidding. a little bit Jeez. more graphic than we meant to go God. folks apologies all
0: right so paul do you want to kick us off what number five for your Favorite obscure kids show. Yes. My number five
1: is going to be the 1994 Fox Kids reimagining of Thunderbirds
2: yes yes nice
1: good choice if you've never seen thunderbirds um in 94 it ran for only one season season only but it was actually a show from the 60s that used marionettes to act out the action sequences and it was about a rescue team that also doubled as spies depending on what the story called for But the whole show was done with miniature sets and marionettes. And then the Fox Kids version, they had a fake base with human children (laughs) that would radio to the Thunderbirds when their help or assistance was required.
2: That sounds, I don't remember that specific part of the show, but I definitely remember the marionettes. And it kind of is like a uh, uh, Team America looking sort of.
1: Yes, Team Uh, America was a parody of it. It was that, yeah. yeah.
2: So yeah, I don't remember the, the kids so much, but I definitely remember the show and uh, the Thunderbirds are go. And when they uh, brought when they brought it
1: back out of retirement again, they did away with the interim segments, but they were just trying to modernize it because it really was a 60s TV series. So they were trying to make it look new mm-hmm. and it really didn't work. It made it more awkward, but it still brought Thunderbirds to a modern audience. So that's why it's my number five. I like it. I like
2: there you go. That. Go ahead, Adam.
0: All right. My number five was a, I believe it was a Fox Kids show as well, uh, Life with Louie, which was an animated (laughs) series, which was an animated series that was uh, starring Louie Anderson. And uh, I don't know why. It always just cracked me up. Uh, It was an interesting show. And Louie just always was very interesting to me I guess because he was kind of I guess like he was I I don't know it was just something about his world view always interested me on the show
1: he's like a more family friendly uh, Rodney Dangerfield yeah yeah that's
0: a good way of describing it he's got that like
1: every man type persona but then he's got the you know the punchline delivery that's second to none where he kind (laughs) of rambles into the joke
0: yeah yep Yeah, and he always kind of, I guess, had a pessimistic view of things, which always cracked me up for like for being a kid to be like so pessimistic about things.
2: See, I always uh, I always thought of him as kind of like John Candy with Fran Drescher's voice. Uh (laughs) (laughs) That's
0: actually not that off.
1: So what That's I've always funny. wondered about that show is, do you think that it started as a sitcom pitch, and Fox was like, "Well, I'm sorry, we're you know doing Seinfeld," and we're you know ABC's like, "Sorry, we already have Roseanne," and you know just going through the list of stand-up comedians that became uh, sitcoms, and then when you know Louis got his big break, they're like, "Well, we can pay you less." And still make your show, but it has to be for kids on Saturday morning, and we're gonna animate you because you're god awful to look at.
0: (laughs) I can can definitely see. Not like his cartoon was much much better to look at. They really nailed his looks in that cartoon. Come on, guys.
2: (laughs) (laughs) I'm Louis Anderson. (laughs) Yeah, he always kind of talk like this. Yeah, and I think he reminds me extra of john candy because the same thing kind of happened to him where he had his uh camp candy tv show um i don't know if you guys remember that I don't. but it was well there goes an my animated... number two. Oh no <laughs> well this isn't on my list but it was uh yeah it's it's an animated series where john candy is a camp counselor uh,
1: and he did not do his own voice he just did the intro to the show and then someone else played him
0: <laughs> nice
2: i didn't realize that i thought he did that
1: oh he did the uh, he did like the narration and the overview, but the actual episodes, the voice was done by someone else, similar to the Back to the Future cartoon series.
2: Hmm. Yes, definitely. Um, did I well, steal anybody my... else's? Because I was did. trying really hard. <laughs> you did. <laughs> you did. <laughs>
0: He's just naming off random ones. It was kind of like this one, even though it wasn't at all.
2: Gotcha. Well, all right. So I guess my my number five. Uh, ran from September 15 to November 25, 1997. So one single season. Oh, man. A uh, show called Mummy's Alive. Ooh. Oh, um, yeah. Yeah. So pretty awesome, like, action animated series. I think it was on Fox as well. Yes. Um, but it was about this uh, evil sorcerer named Scarab. He tried to become immortal by killing this Prince Rapses, which is like Ramses, but, you know. But easier rat. for kids to say and not close yeah. to a
1: can- condom brand. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs>
2: <laughs> yeah. So needless to say, the the bad guy he gets punished like you know two thousand years ago or whatever by being buried alive, but then he comes back and he finds out that this soul of the prince he was trying to kill has been reincarnated in this twelve year old boy in the San Francisco Bay Area. So, of course. and this kid has like. All of these protectors that you know, Egyptian gods and stuff like that, to come and try and help him, and it's uh, it's pretty cool. It's pretty cool. Everything gets resolved in twenty-two minutes every time, so you know, it's it's a good a good feeling at the end of each episode. But yeah, I think it's pretty fun.
1: I love that time period where Fox Kids was just buying shows out of syndication. So yeah, it only ran for, every one season had between thirty-six and forty-five episodes, so it felt like an eternity. Mm hmm. Oh, yeah. Compared to like a Netflix show today, which runs like, you know, six, 10 or 13.
2: Yeah, pretty exactly, much. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. I mean, and that's kind of something that I always found really fascinating because I, I have some shows that I was watching to, to try and get inspiration for this countdown. And it's amazing because they'll have like 30 episodes, but only one season. Yep. It's like, wow. <laughs> Forty episodes in one season. It's like, geez.
1: I summon the power of syndication.
0: It's <laughs> 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 a good power to have right there. Make a lot of money <laughs> off of that power.
2: All right. So that's that's uh that's my number five, the power of raw with mummies alive.
0: So, Paul, let's go with number
2: four. What is
0: your number four? So, my
1: number four is going to be WMAC Masters World Martial Arts Council Battle Dome Finals for the Dragon Star. Say that five (laughs) times fast.
2: I don't know what this is at all. That
1: sounds so epic, but this was a live action show where it was basically they were trying to make a kids' Mortal Kombat live action TV show but they oh. presented it if, if, if it was as if it was like pro wrestling.
2: Oh, So they had
1: characters that were like knockoff of uh, Sub-Zero and knockoffs of Liu Kang, and they were all oh, competing another- in a martial arts tournament for the Dragon Star. Huh. It ran for two seasons, and there was only a total of 26 episodes, and the reason that they only did uh, so few episodes is because each season was the tournament. So once they were out of the tournament, then it was pretty much done.
2: Oh, yeah, okay. there's not really a whole lot of backstory there. It's like, oh, what happened after the tournament? <laughs>
1: and uh, it was not, it was, so it aired on ABC as part of Saturday mornings, but it was technically produced by Nickelodeon, although they won't put their name on it because it was made at the Universal Studios backlot right behind Nickelodeon Studios with a lot of the same <laughs> extras that you see in Nickelodeon TV shows.
0: Oh, interesting. I'm looking at pictures right now. They definitely have a dude on there that looks like Jax from Mortal Kombat 2. Like oh, yeah. Guy with a metal arm and stuff, like electric eye. And metal would, when they
1: would do the battles, they would have like a promo screen for the battle, not unlike, you know, like a boxing match. But then it also looked kind of like the Mortal Kombat title screen when it comes up with like Jax versus Kano. They had a Kano knockoff, too. I desperately tried to find an episode to watch before this so I could remember some of their names or just, you know, like familiarize myself with it again. And I cannot find it
0: anywhere. It is that
1: obscure. <laughs>
2: They have, interesting
0: they also have i can't remember the guy's name on uh for the life of me right now but they have a guy that looks a lot like the dude that wears the like beret in uh or i, w- I don't know if it was called a beret it's like a military uh, style hat from street fighter yeah do you guys he's like a guile knockoff yes yeah it looks a lot like guile yeah it
1: looks like John Claude Van Damme playing guile for a bad Hollywood movie.
0: <laughs> that sounds like it might have happened. Could have. <laughs> well, that's interesting. That that actually is one I've never heard of, so I'm happy to learn a little bit about that one. Sounds... I had to dig deep because you guys always steal mine, so I had to be on point. Well, where's the fun in that? <laughs>
2: I'm currently scrambling to find a number two right now, so. <laughs>
1: what? You can still talk about Back to the Future. Back to the
2: Future? No, that's okay.
1: <laughs> well, then if we're, if we're just going to glaze over it, let's quickly talk about Back to the Future. Give it an honorable okay. mention it deserves.
2: Sounds- we can do that towards the end, yeah. Okay. There's probably a few honorable mentions. Just that way we can get them all at once.
0: Sounds good. All right, uh, want to jump to my number four
2: then? Yes, sir. Do it, baby.
0: All right, Wild and Crazy Kids. This yeah. Yeah. yeah, this was a game show that was hosted by Cuba Gooding Jr's brother Omar Gooding and <laughs> it basically was a game show that did like alternative versions of games that like kids could do but it was like lot more large scale. So some of the things that they did, they did like the Dizzy Bat Home Run Derby where you'd have to uh, try and hit a home run after spinning your head on a bat. Uh, three-legged soccer, bumper boat lacrosse. Uh, they also had a giant game of Simon Says, Red Light, Green Light, Cops and Robbers. Uh, they had a game of, tw- like a big game of Twister, Human Space Invaders, Human Battleship, things like that. And it was basically just a way to get kids like active and stuff like that. It was a pretty cool show. And it just had a lot of really cool things. I always loved the this like, giant space invaders thing, they'd show it from above and you'd see the, like, the kids moving in and stuff and they'd have to like, shoot them. Was it like a... I'm trying to remember what they had to shoot them with. It was some sort of like... Dodgeball or something, right? Like a foam ball or something.
1: Yeah, wasn't it like a t-shirt cannon, but it shot like big Nerf balls?
0: Yeah, I think you're right. That sounds right. Like
1: slightly bigger than the round. Uh, I don't know why I'm miming this in air because you can't see me. <laughs> but the uh, you know the yellow round Nerf balls. It was a can like a pump cannon like that, but they were slightly bigger.
0: Yeah, yep. It was. It was almost kind of like the cannon that they used on. Uh, american gladiators like when they'd yeah. shoot the what was it like the tennis balls or whatever similar to yep. that like a pressurized air cannon yeah 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 It was. A cool i always show. loved
1: the slip and slide uh, they would always do they would always like start the show with like a slip and slide angle and they would always be going into something weird like gack or slime or something
0: and they'd yeah. stand up and go this is wild and crazy kids
2: <laughs> yep
0: <laughs> <laughs> little did they know that all of that gack was a carcinogen
2: <laughs> oh, gosh. <laughs> so my number four, I took the obscure part of this episode to the fullest extreme. Mm. Um, do you guys remember the Mad Scientist Monster Lab toys by Mattel? Yes.
1: Yeah, of course. So.
2: Yeah, so the premise was is that there was these skeletons that you could buy, and then they had Play-Doh, so you could build a monster on top of that skeleton. And then there was this giant it was basically just a big plastic cylinder, but they made it look like a like a holding tank, like kind of what Wolverine yep. was in. And you could put them in there and the water would disintegrate the play-doh and then you'd have a clean skeleton again and you'd be able to rebuild it. Yeah well yep. to promote these toys, Mattel released a two episode in September nineteen eighty eight, a two episode mad scientist series um the music is awesome it almost sounds like uh like danny elfman from uh, oingo boingo type like super 80s stuff but yeah i mean the the main character he's kind of like an einstein meets doc brown um Meets Inspector Gadget, kind of crazy, off the wall dude, and it was just about him and his crazy experiments and things blowing up. And uh, I remember renting it as a kid from Blockbuster. You know, he had two episodes on the cassette, and uh, we watched it a ton. And I had no idea that no one else really knew what it was until looking it up on Wikipedia and seeing that it was literally a you know a forty four minute toy commercial. (laughs) That's awesome. (laughs) And and nothing. I want to see this now. Yeah, the first episode is definitely on YouTube. I've not been able to track down the second episode yet, but I can't imagine there's going to be much in the way of copyright issues because (laughs) literally nobody remembers this thing at all unless you were me or my brother.
1: I definitely remember the toy lines, and then I remember the knockoff of the toy lines. Like, I remember with Terminator 2, there was a toy line that took the whole, the same uh, idea, but you could take, like, the T1000 skeleton and put it in the chamber, and it would put skin over it.
2: I remember thinking
1: that was the most amazing thing.
2: (laughs) So I guess that's... uh, I guess we're now going to number three then, right, Paul? Number three. So I'm totally going to cheat. Oh, no. (laughs) My
1: number three is... I'm going to say this counts because it was a one hour block of programming, but they came, they ran through. So what it was is there were a whole bunch of shows, very similar to what you just described, where they were like made for home video release, or they were to promote a toy line. And, um, they were combined together into a block of shows. And this show is called Marvel action universe.
0: Oh yeah. Oh yes. Mm-hmm.
1: So the whole point of Marvel Action Universe branding as the show is they could put in all these 10 and 13 episode cartoon shows together but it allowed them to sell it as a syndication package.
0: Okay.
2: So I very much fear where you're going with this.
1: <laughs> so among those there are three shows that I feel are the highlights that were included in Marvel Action Universe. Uh, Number one is going to be Dino Riders.
2: Damn it! That was my number one overall.
1: (laughs) I'll tell you what. I will just stop right there and just say that I love Dino Riders, and then you and I can nerd out about it at the end.
2: I I appreciate that, considering you're doing three for your number three.
1: (laughs) Uh, The second one is Visionaries. Which was a, Mm. the purpose of visionaries was there were these magical nights in a post-apocalyptic time where for whatever reason technology didn't work anymore and we had reduced to medieval times. But there was this mana pool that uh, these knights were able to draw their staffs from. And these staffs gave them the ability to, trans- or to transform into their spirit animal. And it's very much like Animorphs, except that they had to keep going back to this old wizard in the woods to recharge their staffs. So the good guys and the bad guys were at the mercy of the wizard for power. So Merlin, who was the wizard, really kind of controlled everything, whether you were good or bad he was the guy that actually gave you
0: your power well, um, right right it, seems it ran like all you for... have to do is not give them to the bad guys that'd be easy enough well i agree with you his <laughs> justification
1: is he was trying to give a level playing field so no one faction would take over the world oh okay that's fair that's fair it backfired on him quite a few times yeah, so the was show surprised. was extremely dark for a kid's TV series, which is why it never really made air outside of these 13 episodes. And the toy line was much more um, much larger than the TV series ever displayed. It had awesome vehicles. Uh, all the figures were like G.I. Joe rubber band style. Oh yeah. And yep. uh, um, yeah, I, I, it's all on YouTube, the entire series. I suggest you check it out uh the next one robocop the animated series i remember watching
2: that all the time as a kid and yep i kind of wonder if that's how your uncle got the idea that maybe it was okay to take you to robocop (laughs) 2 was because well the show
1: was to promote robocop 2 so it's a possibility i mean that's how i knew who robocop was sure
2: yeah definitely
1: so and the movie was nothing like the tv show (laughs) (laughs) no no that's
0: surprising i'm very shocked
1: and there's not a whole lot about to say it was the same plot as the movie with the exception of they just didn't kill people they just fell over (laughs) um it was a very few all of the episodes on marvel action universe at the most were 20 minutes the average was 14 uh dino riders would be the exception okay um the last one, Spider-Man and his amazing friends. Oh yeah,
0: yep, I remember so, that
1: one. Which was actually like if I remember correctly, it was a 70s show that didn't get a lot of or didn't get a lot of airtime and they kind of had it and so they just decided to put it in syndication so that they to fill out the number of episodes so they could keep Marvel Action Universe rolling. So right. Spider-Man and his amazing friends is uh, Peter Parker and his other friends with superpowers get an apartment that is for some reason still attached attached to Aunt May's house, or she lives in the apartment next door, one or two, or one or the other. And uh, they go on solving mysteries and just do the usual superhero thing, but they have to make it like a Seinfeld element where they all live together. <laughs> Do they have yeah, the it's wha-
2: more like a, It's more like a threes
1: company <laughs> yeah, than okay, Yeah, okay, yeah, more like a threes company. <laughs> but they would always meet at the coffee shop. They were always in someone's apartment. I mean, that's why I went Seinfeld
0: first. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Yep. Did it have the wacky bass lines in it, too? Bow bow.
1: <laughs> <laughs> boom, boom, So that boom, is my boom, number boom, three. Boom, I boom, apologize boom. for any dreams that I ruined.
0: <laughs> <sighs> well, that's okay. uh, I guess that's that okay. goes to me, then. My number three... Is the animated series The Tick? Uh, Hell yes, Spoon, <laughs> Spoon? <laughs> Yes, exactly. So The Tick followed a uh, it was followed the titular character, uh, which was a superhero that was this big blue tick, basically that fought evil, and his partner in crime was just an average guy that wanted to be a superhero named Arthur. Arthur, yeah, who wore yeah, uh, like, fire <laughs> with Arthur, <laughs> and he would wear a like a moth costume, uh, complete with like these big goggles and the wings and stuff like that, uh, and he would help him fight crime. Uh, doing research for this, I was a little blown away. Does anyone t- want to take a guess? And Paul, I'm going to assume you know this because you know everything about animated TV series and stuff. Do you want to take a guess at who voiced Arthur? There was two different actors. Can you name either of the actors that voiced Arthur? I honestly don't know. Okay, so starting with season two, the second one was like animated voice extraordinaire Rob Paulson, the same guy who did like the okay. Animaniacs and a million other voices that you probably heard. He actually if you like Rob Paulson, if you watched any of the shows he was a part of, he has a great podcast that he does nowadays. You should really check it out where he basically reads excerpts from movies like The Dark Knight or Pulp Fiction, but he reads it with other people who did animated series voices, and they read their lines in random characters of theirs. So, like, one of them might do, uh, like, he might do his voice from Animaniacs, while the lady from the Fairly Odd Parents does her voice or something like that, which is quite hilarious. Huh. <laughs> it's pretty amazing. It's a, they posted yes. So this, is,
2: this is a uh, this is a different Robert Paulson than uh, the, the one from Fight Club, correct?
0: Yes, definitely. <laughs> okay,
2: definitely. okay. <laughs> the um, one played by Meatloaf, yes. Yeah, yeah. Okay.
0: but here's the other one that blew me away. I I was shocked when I realized the original voice of Arthur was Mickey Dolan's Yes, that Mickey Dolenz from The Monkees. <laughs> really? Yes, he was only on for the first season, but he was the voice of Arthur during the first season of The Tick. Well, I mean, he only
1: had vocal talent, so that makes sense. That's true, that's <laughs> true. He wasn't much vo- he,
0: he had a great face for radio, we'll give him that. <laughs> <laughs> But, uh, yeah, so the show was just always really interesting and very random. And, you know, the the Tick has a very odd personality and stuff like that. Um, You know, I always watched the show when I was growing up. Uh, I think that was one of those, like, cartoons that was on in the mornings when I was getting ready for school and stuff. But I really didn't fall in love with that character until the live-action version of it came out in two thousand five i think with uh with um, patrick
1: warburton pa- patrick and warburton yeah. yeah who played arthur in that
0: i can't th- I, I can see it, him but I-, I forgot it was a guy from like party of five or something i think but yeah it was a really funny show and patrick warburton played that character to perfection and uh yeah that like made me appreciate the cartoon a lot more because i uh I think I started to understand the sense of humor a little bit more.
2: Well, I I think that that's a big part of it is um, like similarly, like we used to watch Danger Mouse a lot when we were kids. Oh, yeah. And it was like the humor was entirely lost on us. Like this was literally just about a secret agent mouse, right? Right. Well, no, you like go back and watch it. It's basically like (laughs) Benny Hill. With a mouse, with a an iPad. <laughs> and it's kind of the same thing with uh, with the tick. Oh, this is like a superhero, and every once in a while he says funny things, and it's animated kind of in a silly way. But it's kind of it's all about, like, even though these people are super, they still have to do, like, everyday things as superheroes. And that's right. kind of what the show focused on, was, like, they still have to go to the laundromat. They still have to go <laughs> to the bank. Like, they have to do all the same stuff. Yep,
0: yep. Yeah, even, like, uh, one one of my favorite ones from the live-action version was there's a episode where they're talking to Batman Well, which I love anyway. That's just a great <laughs> name uh, for a character. But it's played by uh, the guy. He was in, like, The Dark Knight and stuff like that. I can't remember his name off the top of my head. But, you know, they're, they're trying to uh, move a... I think it was move a dead body out of a hotel or something like that and they're trying to figure out how you know how do we do this? And they said something about, "Hey, Batman, well, what's what's your uh, clothing size?" And he looks at him and goes, "It's Batman, well sized. Like,
2: what else would it
0: be?" <laughs>
1: So I, I love the episode when uh, Batman well saved a whole bus full of supermodels. And then he turns to the tick and he goes, I he goes, I saved them twice in one night, if you know what I mean. And the tick <laughs> just looks at him, and says, nope.
2: <laughs> the tick was
1: very naive and he often stopped crime unintentionally. Like he was yeah. he he couldn't he was good at his job by being bad at his job and everyone else basically just had to get out of his way.
2: Yeah, yeah, it's, it's kind of like uh, Kurt yeah. Russell in Big Trouble in Little China.
1: Yeah, definitely. He's, Old he's, Man Jack.
0: He's very, <laughs> like, he, he tries to be very much, like, the vaunted, everyone loves him superhero, and he's try, he tries to be, like, really good at his job, but like Paul said, you know, he doesn't do a great job out of, uh, of it, but often succeeds despite himself. Right, right. Yeah. And they're
1: from the city, like that's the place, like that's their (laughs) metropolis. It's just the city,
0: the city. Yes, (laughs) yes. There's actually there is a new version of it that's airing on what is it? Amazon, Amazon, with uh, Peter Serafinovitz uh, as the tick, uh, who was in. He's been in like Parks and Rec and a bunch of other stuff. It follows yep. the comic much more That if you're if you're uh-huh. looking for the 2005 show
1: or the cartoon, this is not that. The new show right. follows the comic much more closely, which is much darker but still very funny. Oh yeah.
0: Yeah, yeah they've done a definitely. great job on that first season.
1: Patrick Warburton
0: yeah. was supposed to be in it and he declined
1: because he his sitcom had just been picked up by ABC and then it got canceled after 3 episodes. Stupid ABC. <laughs>
2: Always canceling shows. <laughs> yeah, um, uh, the tick is definitely in the hopper of imagination. So I don't want to necessarily give this a full forty-five minute treatment of just the tick because I'm sure we'll have uh, plenty of th- things to say about it oh, yeah. in the future. Sounds good. Um, <laughs> so, so before we start getting too deep into it, um, my number three is a live-action show. Uh, from 1984 to 1989 and it was the sh- originally called the Sharon Lois and Bram show <laughs> and then in like 1986 it changed to the Sharon Lois and Bram's elephant show and that's probably the more popular rendition where there's a giant like there's a person in a giant elephant mascot costume that'd be running around but Sharon Lois and Bram were a Canadian soft rock, vocal group uh and the (laughs) song like the the thing that was most famous from this show was the song skidamarinky dinky dink
1: oh okay skidamarinky do
2: i love you yep so that's uh where do you love me or sorry (laughs) when do you love me (laughs) in the morning and in the afternoon as well as the evening underneath the moon so all of (laughs) the above um yeah so that was probably the most popular thing from that show I was really into Babar as a kid, which was also a show about an elephant and that was animated. So when I saw the live action Sharon, Lois and Bram's elephant show in my like three-year-old brain, I was like, they're the same. They're the same elephant. <laughs> I don't know no other bipedal elephants. Like it has to be the same one. Not Dumbo.
0: Uh, nuts.
2: <laughs> so I don't really have a whole lot to say about it. Other than that song was really popular. The show is basically kind of like a Sesame street, lamb chop, Mr. Rogers type thing where there, there was a lot of different little skits and a lot of little adventures. I think like I think Bill Clinton was on one episode. Um
1: oh, huh, really?
2: I might be thinking of something else. Did he play um, the sax?
1: Well, the show did run forever and then after the Elephant Show it became something else. I mean, Yeah, I- but
2: they had a, they had a bunch of guest stars on it. And I that's I'm gonna true. have to look that up because I might be thinking of a different show. I may be thinking of of Bill Nye the Science Guy, as I was researching that pretty recently. Um, <laughs> Did he play the
1: saxophone?
2: I don't remember. I just remember reading it on Wikipedia. So was he um, just
1: there for Sharon's number?
0: He actually he <laughs> yes. actually blew into the elephant's trunk to play the saxophone. <laughs>
1: So uh, was Bram married to either of them, or were to, uh, yes? Were they just
0: like <laughs> they were Mormons? Both. He was married to both of them.
1: Or was it like you know he started life with Lois and then he left her for Sharon and they just have to get along for the sake of entertainment? Or
2: <laughs> <laughs> I uh, I'll be honest with you I didn't do that deep of a dive into this so. Um...
1: We need he a behind couldn't... the
2: music here, damn it. Yeah, he... <laughs> I wanted to give plenty of time for us to talk about the tick, so uh, <laughs> I foresaw that was going to be an issue. He preemptively um... <laughs> cut himself
0: short.
2: <laughs> but yeah, I, I don't really know what his marital status was with the other members in the group. I know that he played the banjo and sang, but beyond that, I don't really know. Uh, he played know a that mean much.
1: banjo, too.
2: He did. He did. For a bunch of Canadian folks, they were uh, pretty rocking, you know, up there with Rush and Nickelback. So, and Celine Dion. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, that's my number 3. Um so we're uh, we're moving right along folks. Uh, Paul, what what do you have for number 2?
1: So, for number 2, and I really struggled to bring this down because I I, I evaluated it like 25 or so, so this was a hard one.
2: But... I say Metamucil will help if you have trouble bringing down number two. <laughs> it's Metamucil. <laughs> Take a hit and pass it on. Uh...
1: <laughs> that's a dating ourselves joke. <laughs> yes, it is.
2: Yes, it is. <laughs>
1: so I'm going to go with Saban's Masked Rider.
2: Oh, I... that's a good one.
1: It is a good one. It's from 1995. It went two years, 40 episodes, which, you know, is... It's funny because Mummy's Live went what forty episodes for one year,
2: <laughs> right? Right.
1: <laughs> but uh, so Saban's Mass Rider was a, a much like Power Rangers. It was an, a, an adaptation of a Japanese show, and it was uh, most of the scenes were taken from Common Rider Black RX. Anybody that knows me outside of this knows that I am a huge Common Rider fan for some reason. Yeah. And there have well, only he's basically been two- like
2: a. Yeah, he's basically like a martial arts Ant Man. Like, I don't know what there is; wouldn't be to love about him, you know? Like,
1: yeah, there have only been two U.S. adaptations of a Common Rider show, and Masked Rider was one of them. And Common, or if Common Rider or Common translated to English would be Masked. So the show's name makes sense. Uh, right. If, the general idea of that of this show was Dex is the main character and he was given special abilities by his uncle as their planet was exploding or being taken over by aliens depending on which storyline cuz they go back in time and change it and uh, he was sent to Earth to preserve their way of life and fight for the planet. It was it was given uh, it was billed as a Power Rangers spin-off because Alpha 5 from Power Rangers was made on the planet that Dex is from.
2: Oh, no kidding. Oh, I, I didn't realize all that.
1: And they had one like crossover episode where Mask Rider helped the Power Rangers out when Tommy had the flu or something. And oh. that is <laughs> how they made it work.
2: <laughs> Interesting. There you go. I, I'm just looking this up right now, and it looks like Furbus, which was Dex's pet and friend, yes. was played by... Vern Troyer. Uh, really? No, most, I did not know that. Most famously known for playing mini Me in the Austin Powers series.
1: So Ferbus is a he's a complete US creation. He didn't exist in the Japanese mm-hmm. version. And basically he looks similar to Alf, but he has like a Mac and Me style face but he's all furry instead of being like the weird silicone look. And he would very much just sort of like hide out and uh, do the ALF thing where when company would come over, he hid in the laundry room. And he was usually causing some sort of trouble.
2: That sounds about right. Yeah, he's almost like a Furby, which I think is why Furbus is such a fitting name.
1: (laughs) Fair. But that would be my number two. What do you got, Adam?
0: So that brings me to my number two, which is Bobby's World. Ooh. Yeah. So uh Bobby's World was a again another show centered around a cartoon uh boy named Bobby, and his dad was voiced by Howie Mandel, and it was just about his life uh growing up well,
2: and- you know who uh you know who voiced Bobby though
0: i probably did at one point but i'm blanking out at the moment i thought it was howie mandel
2: it is howie mandel oh so he
0: did both voices
2: yeah i think he
1: did most of the voices yeah
2: i think he did like i think he did the uncle ted's voice as well but i'd have to look it up nice Um, i thought he did the mom too i don't think he did the mom but he may have done like aunt ruth or rose or whatever her name is i'd have to look it up
0: Huh, that's interesting I I, pro- I think I might have maybe known that before, like, when I was younger or something and forgot, but that's interesting. Now, that's
2: a really weird thing to, like, watch. Like, you were talking about people reading in, like, their cartoon voices. Yeah. Seeing Howie Mandel now with his, like, bald head talking as Bobby is bizarre. Because <laughs> it's, it's... It's a very weird little voice. Like, it's very, uh, <laughs> it's very strange to hear him talk like that. Yeah. Um but uh and then their last name was was uh was generic but it was spelt generic which i thought was hilarious <laughs> you know it, instead of just naming them like doe they named them you know generic I, I thought that was hilarious that's awesome
0: yeah it just it was a great show i remember it being really funny uh to me when i was growing up you know the characters were uh always interesting and then like, I always remember the dad was a member of the Elephant Club, and they'd always do that yep. salute where it's like, an elephant never forgets a fraud. And they'd, like, do the elephant <laughs> trunk. Yeah, it was, a, it was a good show, though. I really enjoyed it. And I, I still remember to this day, I, I can't find proof of this, but I, I feel like at one point, like, Paul Anka or someone was on the show and, on, like, a Valentine's Day episode, singing Hooked Out of Feeling by Blue Swede. I huh. vaguely
1: remember this. I don't think you're wrong. I mean, this could be another Berenstein Bears moment. Oh, but... God, don't bring
0: that up, please. That's still
2: <laughs> Yeah, yeah. It's uh, definitely possible. I it's think my Frankenstein. favorite. <laughs> <laughs>
0: Frankenstein. From... So
2: um, there's one general Bobby's World memory that I have, and then there's one more uh, specific one that I have. But the general one is that he instead of having like a pet teddy bear that he took everywhere with him, he had like this pet, like like a stuffed animal spider, like this big tarantula (laughs) that he used to drag around everywhere on his like on his big wheel and stuff like that. And I always thought that was so. I
1: I can I can see it, but I can't remember it.
2: Yeah, I I don't remember. Um, And then the the specific thing that I remember is in the early to mid nineties karate was the biggest like most exciting thing for like kids you know you had the three ninjas you had the karate kid you had all this stuff uh, surf ninjas and there was an episode where Bobby really wanted to learn karate and he told his aunt Ruth or Rosie or whatever her name is that he wanted to learn karate and she's like oh I'll take you sometime I I do that myself and, oh wow that's so cool well she thought that he was saying karaoke so she (laughs) took him to this karaoke bar where everyone's singing these really bad like uh country western covers um it was it was pretty funny i I, I giggled (laughs) i also loved that uncle ted had lava lamps uh, at his apartment like he had like the typical bachelor pad he had the hawaiian shirts with the hearts all over it and oh yeah um, TV trays
1: and, for furniture.
2: <laughs> yep, and that's when I first got into lava lamps myself. I remember going to Sharper Image as a kid and getting one, um, and that was my inspiration. So That's when you um, open
0: the doors to perception.
2: That's right. <laughs> that's right. <laughs> so When did um, you start my... getting
1: into black lights? <laughs>
2: um, <laughs> about, as... <laughs>
1: about the I same never time you hit black puberty. Lights, <laughs> but, uh. <laughs>
2: But yeah, so uh, my number two is a show uh, about a really kick-ass baby called Fantastic Max. Uh, it aired from September 17th through of 1989 through January 21st 1990. So a very short run show, um, but it was about this little redhead baby, and he had a friend who was um, like an alien doll, and then there's a robot doll. Uh, yeah, the looking, alien was I'm looking at a yeah. picture right
0: now and it's ringing a bell now that I see it. I forgot the name of it, but yeah, it looks familiar.
2: Yeah, the the theme song is super super catchy and it keeps talking about he's been doing stuff like all sorts of different things in his double pad diaper and that safety pin like it's super like <laughs> jazzy like <laughs> and uh yeah so fx was the was the alien he's like a green uh he's got like a big elephant nose like i don't know how to describe him. he's like a typical what they thought martians looked like in the 50s basically yeah and uh and then the robot's name is a b sitter so
0: <laughs> boy they really stretched their intelligence on that one didn't they
2: Yep, but I don't remember like if his crib would turn into a rocket ship or if he had a rocket in the doghouse or what it was. But he used to like go to outer space and go on all these missions and adventures, and um, it was a very very fun silly show. Um, but there was a whole bunch of them back then that were kind of that same uh, kind of that same tone and that same animation style. Especially a lot of the shows that were popular in the '60s and '70s that got remade. So. Like a pup named Scooby Doo, or the Tom and Jerry kids. Yep. You know, they were all yep. kind of the same sort of Muppet Babies, wacky. Yeah, exactly. The wacky antics and uh, yep. super catchy theme songs. Mm-hmm. But uh, I was so gonna yeah. say you
1: said Tom and Jerry Kids, and that's gonna be stuck in my head for the rest of. the Gotta week.
2: be there where all the action is. Like it's so good, <laughs> Tom <and> Jerry Kids. <laughs>
1: I can't say a... it would be jamming out right now, but I yeah, promise I'm, a... you know, I'm right the there in my head. <laughs> had a
2: great theme song too, um, but anyway, that's my number two. Is fantastic. That House.
1: sounds like another countdown.
2: Oh, fantastic oh, theme like songs like from the '80s. Song? I agree.
0: Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I,
2: like that. I totally agree. <laughs>
0: All right, so Paul, give us your number one.
2: Well, so did my you guys num- want to do any honorable mentions before we jump into number one?
0: Oh, yeah. Sure.
1: Yeah. Who wants to go first?
2: Uh, well, one one of my honorable mentions was the Back to the Future animated series. And um, I had basically entirely forgotten about it until I was doing research for this other topic, Bill Nye the Science Guy. And uh, I don't know if you guys knew this, but that's actually where he got his um, television debut was on that show.
1: No kidding? Really?
2: Yeah. So the way the show worked is a typical Saturday morning cartoon, like 18 to 22 minute episodes. But in the last like minute or two would be live experiments done by doc brown's friend bill nye the science guy and no one had any idea who he was he was just some guy that would come in and do experiments um and we'll definitely get into that more once we do the bill nye episode but there's some uh there's some pretty big names that were in um the back to the future animated series uh probably probably the biggest one was uh Dan... How do you say this, Paul? I know you know how to say this. Dan Castan... Oh, Yeah, that's the one. So he's famously played, you know, Genie from Aladdin in the animated series, not the, you know, film version, obviously. He played Earthworm Jim. Uh, He played Grandpa Phil and Hey Arnold. And then he also played, you know, little-known characters like Homer Simpson, Grandpa (laughs) Simpson, Mayor Quimby. Uh, There's a whole bunch of them that he's played. So... uh, yeah, so that that's who played Doc Brown. But then during the live sessions at the end where Bill Nye the Science Guy would come in, uh, Christopher Lloyd would be in those as well. So, oh, so you got cool. the real Doc Brown. But yeah, I always yep. thought that was a cool show and I had basically entirely forgotten about it until doing some research for a different topic.
1: Nice. Oh, I'm sorry, I took your number two. <laughs> <laughs>
0: that's
2: all right, that's all right. We got to talk about Fantastic Max, so that was fun.
0: <laughs> so, uh... Mine, real quick, I won't go into much detail about them, uh, just kind of throw them out there. My two honorable mentions that I had on here, just in case someone took mine, uh, were Eureka's Castle and VR Troopers.
2: Oh, man, like total opposite ends of the spectrum. Yeah. You, know, you, got, <laughs> you got Muppets and you got like martial arts robot men. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but VR
0: Troopers was cool. It was another one of those uh, like Tokusatsu esque. Uh, yep. Shows where it was kind of like Power Rangers, but they had the, like the, it was yeah it was cool. They just had like very futuristic looking uh, suits and stuff like that, and they looked like they were in virtual reality.
2: The one thing I remember about that show, and correct me if I'm wrong, but wrong. it used to come on at okay, <laughs> never mind, <laughs> forget it. <laughs> no, it's it used to come early on early in the morning, like at six a.m. on Fox. Yeah, sounds yeah. right. Um, and I used to not get up until like 6.45, 7 o'clock, but every once in a while I'd get up early and it would be on or I'd catch the tail end of it. But Power Rangers always had like that golden like spot of like 4, 4.30 or whatever it was. But mm-hmm. um, but for whatever reason, VR Troopers was like 6 o'clock in the morning. Um, but yeah, I always thought it was a cool show. Yeah, there's no Bulk and Skull, re- unfortunately, That's which is my favorite part of uh, Power Rangers. But
1: <laughs> I don't ever remember it airing other any other time slot than that early morning time slot. I'm sure it must have had a first run before we came across it, because that just seems so crazy to have it on at 6 a.m., but I don't ever remember seeing it on TV at any other time. Yeah, yeah, could, yeah
0: me either. Couldn't think of any.
1: But yeah, it's a. It was they used three different shows. Uh, it was all Metal Heroes, which is another you know, Common Rider, Sentai for Power Rangers, all that. They used Metal Hero, Metal. So the same stock show, Metal Heroes, also did Beetleborgs. Oh,
2: that makes sense. I gotcha.
1: So the same way the Power Rangers change it up every few years, that's because they're taking their material from a Japanese show, and that Japanese show does 50 episodes, and they throw all the characters away and start over, and they get new suits, new cars, and new storylines. And the U.S. just borrows that footage, and then they have to write their shows to fit that model. Okay. And uh, so... VR Troopers evolved into Beetleborgs in a fashion. I mean, they're completely different shows, but where they're pulling the material from, it's all part of the same. Interesting. Interesting. Do you have any honorable mentions, Paul? Well, VR Troopers was definitely going to be one of them because the only reason I didn't have it on my list was because I was for sure one of you guys was going to grab it. (laughs) 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 Uh, My other honorable mention would be Erie, Indiana.
0: Yes, yes.
1: mm -hmm. Erie, Indiana was about a family moving to the town of Erie, Indiana, and weird X Files ish stuff happened. And the show was actually a Canadian show that ran one season and got canceled. And then Fox Kids bought it in syndication, and it got so popular. Uh, So the show was actually originally from 1990, and then we didn't see it until like 96, 97. And it got super popular, but by the time it got popular, all the actors involved in it were in other shows. Yeah. So they came up with Erie, Indiana The New Dimension which is why from season 1 to season 2 all the actors changed and they wrote it off in the show by saying they're in a different dimension so this is alternate versions of the characters but in actuality they were just trying to make money on it because they ran out of episodes.
2: Yeah, I mean I guess I would probably venture to say that the show did not really have an impact in the states back in 1990 Um, Mm. but when they released Goosebumps on Fox in, yes. like, 96, I'm assuming that was kind of like, oh, well, they can do it. We can do this, too. Yeah, kind of riding um, the
0: coattails.
2: Yeah, yeah. Because, I mean, they still had, like, Are You Afraid of the Dark was on before that, but that was late Saturday night on SNCC, you know? That wasn't, like, after late school. Late being 8.30? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, late late enough that, like, kids, like, 8 and under weren't watching it, you know what I mean? That's true, uh,
0: that where was, this was
2: going to be on right after school so anyone that would watch it you know whether they were at home or at daycare or whatever
0: that that uh are you afraid of the dark that was a a pastime for me and my parents that was our like thing to do on saturday nights we'd we'd turn off all the lights and we'd you know get a blanket and let, uh, lay on the couch and we'd watch are you afraid of the dark together that's awesome. Yeah. It,
1: it was surprisingly dark for a kid's show. Like, way more dark than Goosebumps.
0: Yeah. Oh, for sure. For sure. Yeah. Especially, like, the, uh, Z, what was it? Zebo the Clown. And <laughs>
2: like... Oh, dude. That show is the reason I stopped, like, liking clowns.
0: Because
2: <laughs> I thought Ronald McDonald was cool. Bozo the Clown's fine. And then I saw that. I was like, oh, man. This guy's Done. living in my closet. He's living under my bed. I don't need that shit in my life. So for some people it was for Pennywise, for you it was a Nickelodeon show. Well, I didn't see uh, the original uh, it until I was probably twelve or thirteen, but I was watching "Are You Afraid of the Dark?" whenever we had babysitters on Saturday night. So, <laughs> um, so pretty pretty young, you know. All
0: right. Um,
2: all right. Well, I guess that does it for the um, for the honorable mentions. Paul, did you want to lead us off with your number one?
1: For sure. So, my number one is a show from 1987. It is a Canadian show that was sold into syndication and it aired on Fox. And it was called Captain Power and the Soldiers of the Future.
2: I don't know this one at all either. That's interesting. Very few,
1: very few people have seen it, and it probably would have escaped me too because I was you know, very young when it was originally on. But the whole premise of the show is they were trying to appeal to adults and kids. So it was actually a fairly adult plotline show. It was a post-apocalyptic future, very Terminator. Uh, robots had taken over the world. And uh, all the humans were left uh, hiding in like mining camps. And uh, if you got caught out in the open, uh, the robots would digitize you, which basically meant you vaporized huh. and your data or your soul got sucked into them and you got fed into a machine to be categorized and you never came out jesus so
0: interesting. to
1: make this a children's show they released a toy line for it the toy line was unique because they released guns and weapons that you could shoot at the screen and all of the characters had really rudimentary cgi on them all the bad guys and if you hit them you would get a point readout on the screen Whoa. like on the on the screen of the toy not on the tv obviously so all of the toys came with VHS copies of the show.
0: Mm. Interesting.
1: And uh, this show single-handedly uh, was killed by the violence and cartoons debate. So even though people bring up, you know, Elmer Fudd shooting um bugs bunny and him not dying or shooting daffy duck and him not dying is like you know early violence in cartoons is bad this was the show that was like we went too far with children's television here and uh, it was canceled because of that fact it was canceled on a cliffhanger in which they killed one of my favorite characters and i am still pissed about it 30 years later
0: <laughs>
1: <laughs> oh that's awesome We'll have to I I highly recommend you look it up on YouTube and the guy who plays Captain Power. The only other thing I've ever seen him in besides the show is he was the magician that gets cut in half in Leprechaun 3. Oh that was the Leprechaun in Vegas with Warwick Davis.
2: (laughs) Good to know.
0: Alright. So So going to mine then? Yes, sir. Alright. Well, my number one. Takes place in the not too distant future, next Sunday AD. Yes, that's right. My number one is Mystery Science Theater Three Thousand. Uh, this was oh yes, this was a show that uh, really was kind of a weird take on a TV show. Basically, the premise behind the show was you had a guy. Uh, there, there was two different, or well, there's been a couple different people, but there was Mike and then there was Joel, and now there's a new guy, but I can't remember who, but they basically are... Jonah
1: Ray. Get it right, man. It's Jonah Ray.
0: Jonah Ray. Yeah, there <laughs> you go. Jonah Ray. Of nerdist fame. Yes. So, <laughs> th- in the show, they are sent into space by an evil co- uh, a group of evil people who are trying to make him go crazy by watching the worst movies possible, but in order to stave off insanity... He takes apart pieces of the ship that he's in in space and fashions three buddies out of it, uh, Cambot, Tom Servo, and Crow, and then I guess Gypsy is a four, uh, but they... Yeah, but Gypsy was later. Yeah, that's I mean, true. Gypsy was in the Mike Nelson years. Right, right, right. So basically what you were watching when you were watching the show was you were watching an old b-side like you know b sci-fi film or western or whatever it happened to be and in like the bottom of the screen you would see the silhouettes of the characters and they would be like sitting in a movie theater uh, like not really but they you know kind of be sitting in a movie theater and they're making fun of the movie as it's going on and it is absolutely hysterical Uh, I think the first time I ever saw it, I was actually at Paul's house and he had it on the TV. Big surprise there. Yeah, no kidding. Yeah, no kidding. I became obsessed with it after that. It was so funny because, you know, there's nothing in particular about it as far as like, oh, you know, they always do this or whatever. It's basically just like each episode, they would have a movie that they'd be watching for, you know, an hour and a half or whatever. And during that movie, they would just be making fun of it as mercilessly as possible Uh, My favorite one in particular, I think it was called Final Justice. Yes. Um, And it had, (laughs) yes, uh, it had uh, Joe Don Baker in it. And it was about this guy who was a, like, Texas sheriff kind of person. You know, like it was, you know, somewhat modern times, but he's, you know, still wearing the cowboy hat and all that. The stuff that they made fun of about Showdown Baker. First time I watched it, I was in tears. <laughs> I was laughing so hard.
2: I, I want to say that the first one that I saw, because I'm kind of a big fan of these B-movies from that time period, uh, was when they covered Project Moonbase. Oh, yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah, so that that's, that's a really fun one. Um, so... Yeah, so they talk all about uh, the radar men from the moon, and uh, yeah, it, it's good stuff.
1: Yeah. Good I stuff. have to give it up for Godzilla versus the Smog Monster. monster. <laughs> that was probably my favorite MST3K. Yeah, they found the only Godzilla movie that was so terrible that that was the only thing that could save it. <laughs> <laughs> what was
0: the one? Uh, there was like another one that uh, Mystery Science Theater three thousand riffed on. Which was kind of like that, but it was like, a, was it a giant turtle or something? like? That?
1: Gamera. Ga- Gamera oh. the Invincible. There's there's like as many Godzilla movies, there's probably about half as many Gamera movies. Okay. And yeah, the original Gameras, are, they are great for MST3K.
0: Yeah, isn't it like one of his powers is like he goes in his shell and then it like,
1: Shoots off and flies. Yeah, shoots
0: off and flies. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah.
1: But it looks like someone kicked it like a football.
0: Yeah. Yeah, pretty much. (laughs) Yeah. Those are some good ones right there.
1: (laughs) So, my favorite thing, my favorite quick fact about MST3K is at the height of their popularity, because they started as a public access show and then they got a deal with Comedy Central. Mm -hmm. And uh, at the height of their popularity, they had a theatrical movie. Yeah. And the theatrical movie is 70 minutes long. And that includes the intro segment, the movie they watched, and the outro. Whereas the actual standard length of an episode of that show was 90 minutes. <laughs> so the movie was
0: shorter <laughs> than the TV show.
1: The movie was shorter than the TV show. Beautiful. And they watched This Island Earth was the movie they watched in the movie.
0: Uh, yeah, I actually... I'm pretty sure we watched that one at your house... Uh, in college or something like that because it had been a while since i'd seen mystery science theater 3000 and you said something about it and it was like oh do you want to watch the movie and i was like sure let's do it
1: <laughs> that was a dark point in my life when sci-fi channel pulled the plug on that show <laughs> yeah, that was yeah. my saturday morning routine pat you know past the age of saturday morning cartoons that was my routine is i would get up and i would watch mystery science theater <laughs>
0: The good news now, though, is you can uh, watch it more readily as they have Riff Tracks uh, that they do. You can go to their website, Riff Tracks, and uh, go get them there. Or they do the live ones now where you can go to a movie yep. theater and watch the live simulcasts of them at like a theater somewhere in the country, and then they'll simulcast them. Ripping the movie live. Yeah. Yep. So far, I've seen yep. uh, Starship Troopers uh, live on Riff Tracks, which was amazing. And then uh, maybe Godzilla 2000. I can't remember if I went to that one or not. I know I've been to a few other. Excuse They me. did
1: Sharknado live. Oh, that man. Was that was by
0: far my favorite of the modern ones, was <laughs>
1: seeing them riff Sharknado live with Tara Reid in the audience. Really?
0: Yep. That's awesome. <laughs> I might have to go back and find that one. All right, what about you, Brian? What's number one for you?
2: Uh, Well, you guys already know my number one aired from October 1 to December 31st, 1988, and that would be Dino Riders. Dino Riders. Uh, It was 14 episodes. Oh. Yep. Man, you like to pick- The Marvel Action Universe. You like to pick (laughs) shows
0: with uh, very long runs, don't you?
2: (laughs) Yeah, yeah. Not unlike your underwear. Oh, um, <laughs> too soon. So the, uh, the intro of this show I always thought was really interesting because it's like this kid, he's at a museum on a field trip and his teacher's super boring. But the way it's like animated, it looks exactly like the Take On Me music video <laughs> by AHA. Uh-huh. Yes. Um, <laughs> it's like a sketchbook. And then he like goes into this back room at the museum and then he somehow gets teleported into the land of dinosaurs and there's a few different races one is the Valorian's, uh, which are kind of the good guys they are they, they befriended the dinosaurs um and then there's the rulans who are the bad guys and basically what happened is the two of them were chasing each other through space and they went into warp drive or something like that and ended up on earth during prehistoric times um, so there's also neanderthal characters and things like that too but um, like I said, the Valorians, they have a trusting relationship with the dinosaurs and they are allowed to like work together. They like, ride on them with saddles and stuff. But the Rulans, they created these brain boxes of like these robotic cages that go around the dinosaurs' heads and they control them that way. So there's some amazing voice actors in this. So, so Peter Cullen is, uh, is a big one. Uh, You may have known him from playing Eeyore on Winnie the Pooh, as well as Optimus Prime, which I didn't realize the same guy played both. That's awesome. Um, But but Optimus Prime from Transformers. Uh, Cam Clark, he played the original Rocksteady from Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. And then uh, Charles Adler played Starscream from Transformers, Buster Bunny from Tiny Toons, and then cow, chicken, red guy, and IR baboon from the uh, cartoon cartoon shows. I don't remember IR uh,
0: baboon.
2: Yep, yeah, I am weasel and cow and chicken. So, um, but that's basically all I had about the show. It was essentially a 14 episode uh, toy ad, um, and it was super kick-ass because it involved people that looked like He-Man, dinosaurs, robotics, spaceships. And time travel. Uh, so, hey,
1: so they had the best toys, and I never owned any of them.
2: Oh, my gosh. There's a picture of me when I'm about, I guess, about three or four years old. Because that would have been about, yeah, because this came out in 88. So that would have been a, when we were like two or three. Um, and I had all these dinosaurs lined up on my bed, including the big T-Rex with the brain box. Yep. Um I hate you so
1: much right now.
2: Yeah. Yeah. You threw was, them away, uh, didn't you? My mom donated them to the church. Yeah. That's, uh, that's how these things go. Unfortunately. What church? <laughs> <laughs> what God? <laughs> yeah.
0: So, uh, re- real quick, you were saying, uh, a name in that, uh, show that sounded familiar. And it was like, it just popped into my head. Cam Clark, also, uh, was a uh, voice actor on the Tick animated series? Oh, really? Yeah, he he voiced uh, a couple. Of, I guess more minor characters, but Die uh, Die uh, Di Fluttermouse, Fishboy, and Johnny Polite. He did those voices on there as well. Gotcha, nice. gotcha. Yeah, so small world. I guess uh, the people who do voice acting don't uh, kind of get brought into everything. They do a little bit of everything.
2: Yeah, do you
1: it's remember crazy. the. Oh, sorry.
2: Oh, no, I was just going to say, I was looking up, uh, what's his face, Clancy Brown the other day, because we had talked about him being the Kurgan and the Highlander in a past episode, uh, as well as Mr. Krabs on SpongeBob SquarePants. And I was looking through, and he's done <laughs> so many different roles. It's crazy. Uh, and none of them sound alike. Like, you would never know that it was him. If Like, what a versatile guy. It's, it's crazy. Hmm.
0: Interesting. Do you
1: remember the uh, Brontosaurus uh, toy from Dino Riders? They would always do the commercial for it. It was never in the show, but it was a big Brontosaurus, and it had this big harness and domes on the side, and the domes would open up, and it had missile launchers and places for the figures to sit.
0: Oh, yeah, yeah.
1: Yes, yes, I definitely do remember that. It was battle. It was like the Technodrome on a dinosaur.
2: Yes, I definitely remember that.
1: And I, my entire life... Always wanted that toy, and last year when Adam and I were road tripping, we stopped at this place called the Toy Store in Kokomo, Indiana. Which is, <laughs> if you've bought vintage action figures online, your chances are you bought them from the Toy Store, or the people reselling them bought them from the Toy Store. They are the largest collection of '80s and '90s toys in the in the Midwest, uh, probably the whole US. And in a glass case that you can only stand two feet toward is the Brontosaurus with all the figures, all the pieces in a big display with a $900 price tag. I have never come so close to smashing and running in my entire life.
2: Jeez, that's nuts.
1: I have a picture of it. I'll see if I can find it and I'll throw it on Facebook.
2: Sounds good. That would be awesome. Sounds
1: good. Well, that's our show, folks.
0: (laughs) And if you like what you heard, there's more to come. You can check us out at www.datingourselvespodcast to learn more about us and the show. And you can check out our Contact Us tab if you'd like to submit your own nostalgic topics. You can also send us submissions at datingourselvespodcast at AOL.com.
1: We've got mail.
0: Yeah, we
2: yes. Uh, you can check us out on Facebook at www.facebook.com dating ourselves podcast. If you're on Instagram, you can find us at dating ourselves podcast. And we do the Twitter thing too at dated podcast.
1: And remember, if you're too old for Snapchat and too young for Life Alert, you've just been dated. See you guys. So long,
2: folks. Later, guys.